Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone. Your Red Seed Podcast co-host, Keaton Rocher here. A little disclaimer for you going into this episode. Jake and I had a little bit of technical difficulties that we were getting going, recording, um, trying to save the audio here, did the best I could, was able to get Jake's audio to sound pristine. Mine, on the other hand, pretty darn rough. So apologies for the uh, sort of weird echoey audio track that you have for me in this episode. Hope you'll... uh, Stick with it, won't hate on us too hard, uh, but we'll be back to our top quality audio recordings next week. Apologies again, and uh, hope you just uh, stick with it through this episode. Sorry. You're listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. It's a grand slam. I'm telling you. Welcome back to the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I am joined for episode 255 of the show by my co-host, Keaton DeRocher of Over the Monster. Keaton, welcome back to another episode of the Red Seat. Happy to be here, Jake. It was a little dicey getting on the show. We were having some trouble with our recording software, so, uh, you know, thankful that we were able to do this episode today. Um, we've got a jam-packed episode for you. We're going to be talking about uh, where the Red Sox are right now, what their odds are for the playoffs, um, some guys going and coming from the injured list. Um, we'll we'll get into some of the things we're looking forward to around baseball uh, for the rest of the season. A very candid interview uh, with Xander Bogarts uh, by Alex Spear that were just was a treasure trove of information uh, about Xander's year. And then some fun quotes from Tommy Pham as well before we get you to some listener questions. So let's get right into it. The Red Sox have 40 games left to play uh, as we are recording this. They are in the midst of uh, one of those 40 games against the Blue Jays. Uh, a little bit delayed from the rain, but uh, they have a one nothing lead in that game as we are recording. The team is 60-62, and 62, uh, still last place in the AL East. And uh, Fangraphs has their chances of making the playoffs 
at 6.6%, and Baseball Reference, which uses a slightly different formula, has their chances at 3.3%. First of all, the percentages, Keaton, not very good right now. No, but I feel like that's to be expected. They're uh, five games out of the, the third wild card, and there's like four teams ahead of them. Yeah. It's a lot to overcome. Yeah, even a lot with, of things have to go. Games. A lot of things have to go right for the Sox, but a lot of things have to go very wrong uh, for the teams uh, yeah. in front of them in particular. Um, so um, a couple injury notes that I want to talk about right off the top of the show here that impact the Red Sox as they're headed down the stretch. Uh, Eric Hosmer and Nathan Eovaldi have been placed on the IL. Uh, Hosmer is dealing with some low back inflammation. Uh, Eovaldi has right shoulder inflammation. It seems like Hosmer is is going to be activated as soon as uh, he is eligible to be uh, activated. But it seems like with Eovaldi, the shoulder thing uh, is sticking around a little bit more. Uh, they did backdate it to his last start. Um, so he, he can be activated, you know, sooner. Um, but I'm a little bit worried about Eovaldi's injury in particular. Do, do either of these two injuries worry you more than the other? Uh, Eovaldi, for sure. I mean, his velocity has been noticeably down since he returned from the IL and really hasn't regained any of it. And then, so I'm not really surprised at all to see him go back on the IL. Um, it seems like he has been trying to push through it basically since he returned. I don't know if he was really ready when he did come back. And um, I don't think there's any sense in trying to push him to come back now. Yeah. I feel for the guy uh, as a, you know, a guy headed into free agency. It seems like um, every time free agency is about to happen for him, something, something comes up on the injury front. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Eovaldi doesn't make very many starts, if any starts, uh, down the stretch now. I mean, it's it's hard to predict with something like this, but it doesn't seem good for, for a pitcher who's had his fair share of injuries. At least it's not an elbow, uh, not, you know, Tommy John again, which would be, I believe, his third surgery if it was. So, you know, good thing it's not that. But, you know, whenever we talk about pitching injuries, shoulders are a whole hell of a lot more scary than elbows to me. Yeah, I think... Um... We've seen a lot more of the um, uh, it's, it's slipping me now, but the um, what's it called? The thoracic outlet. There yes, that's uh, popping up more and more and killing these guys. So really hope it's not something like that. We really just um, it's just the inflammation piece. I haven't said any more about that, but I'm really kind of surprised they let him go as long as they did with his. I mean. His sustained loss of velocity, it was seemed pretty obvious to me that something was not right. Um, and they didn't really seem to have much urge. I mean, I know it's also on the player, too. And, um, you know, Valdi knows his body better than anybody. Um, but I was just kind of surprised that they kept tossing him out there. Because it, didn't, it just didn't look like he was back to himself. It didn't seem like he was ready to come back. Does that hint at all to you uh, what the Red Sox plans are uh, when it comes to Nathan Eovaldi for next year? Like, I, I feel like if the team was, you know, planning on having him as part of the future, they had probably been a little bit more conservative. And if they think he's actually going to go at the end of the year and they don't really have any plans of resigning him, they'd probably be a little bit more liberal with kind of letting him go out and do whatever he wants to do. I don't know necessarily. I think they were just desperate to gain ground and thought their best chance was having him out there, um, even if he wasn't fully healthy. Um, and that just backfired. Yeah. I also think it was misguided that um, that they could have gained ground because it wasn't like they were just uh, Evaldi away from climbing themselves back into it. Um, that was a piece of it for sure. But um, they also just have had so many injuries hammer them in the second half. It's not like that was the the one hole that they were looking to to plug back up. Yeah, and and with uh Eovaldi's absence, we're going to get more Josh Winkowski who, you know, was very very briefly sent back down. 
So he's up again, um, but I, I think the biggest uh, difference in the lineup is, is certainly going to be the return to Franchi Cordero uh, at first base. So instead of um, you know Eric Hosmer, we're going to have Franchi's defense there, probably a mix of some Bobby Dahlbeck. Uh, Alex Cora also mentioned that because Christian Arroyo has been so hot uh, with the bat, he might get some time at first base. Remember, that's the position where he played, I think, one game at last year. Uh, before uh, getting that pretty nasty groin strain. So hopefully that doesn't happen again. But I think the big news about this is uh, that they decided not to call up Tristan Casas. Um, you know, Casas is, is playing very, very well down at AAA. Uh, in the month of August, he's batting over 300 with, you know, a very, very strong OBP over 400. He's He's got some power. As we know, he's a huge guy. He plays great defense. Um, only one home run over that stretch during August, over 17 games. But still, I mean, were you surprised at all that they decided to go with, you know, the combination that they have been running with all year at first base uh, rather than Tristan Casas? Yes, I was. Um, we've already seen that be really bad, uh, both in the field and at the plate. Um, and they were given the perfect opportunity um, to, well, I mean, perfect opportunity to manipulate his service time, if you will, um, and retain all of the benefits of the potential for, you know, a great rookie season for him next year. Um, calling him up today would have preserved his rookie status for next year. So uh, with Hosmer going down, um, it was like the perfect opportunity. You could have called him up maintained his rookie status and all of the benefits that would go along with that. Should he have a tremendous year and you'd get the draft pick and all that stuff. So that, none of that would have been ruined if you had called him up today. And with Hosmer down, you wouldn't have had to like fight to get him at bats. There was a clear path to him getting consistent at bats against major league pitching. Um, so I, I, it was like the literal perfect opportunity to call him up uh, and let him get a taste of the majors um, you wouldn't like not splitting time, all of the, um, the reasons why they were probably keeping him down to this point were gone. All those excuses were gone, um, in terms of like the, the days on the roster and service time and all that stuff. So I, I don't get it. It was like all of their possible excuses, uh, were gone and there was nothing but positives for, for bringing them up. So I, I don't get it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I was I was bummed out, and uh, you know, as you're listening to this on Wednesday, uh, as this is out, I I also have a piece out on the site right now, uh, talking about you know Tristan Casas's call up being something that I wanted to see uh, down the stretch, sort of as an audition uh, for 2023, and, and I was really surprised by the comments from Alex Cora too, because he was asked about whether or not he gave any real consideration to this. And he was like, you know, no, he hasn't really played last year. He hasn't really played this year. And I think that that really undersells um, what Casas has been able to do over the last two seasons. Like, yes, he's been uh, interrupted by injury in 2021 and 2022, but you know, he's still able to put together over 300 at bats at double A uh, and, you know, a bunch of extra at bats at triple A last year, as well as the Olympic experience that he had. And then this year, he's he's already approaching 300 plate appearances uh, at um, at triple A. So it's not like he hasn't had anything. Uh, and especially because, you know, he's he's carrying a a WRC plus in August of 149 at, at AAA, it seems like he's really sort of, uh, you know, hitting pretty well. I, I think the only thing he's not doing is hitting home runs. Uh, and, and I get that that's a big piece of his development, but I feel like, you know, that's almost secondary to the fact that you're going to be able to bring Tristan Casas up, give him a taste of what the major leagues are like, perhaps give him a little bit more motivation for uh, working this past off season to try this next upcoming off season to try and gain, you know, a roster spot right out of spring. I just feel like it was a perfect sort of low pressure 
situation for him, especially given the playoff odds we mentioned at the top of the show, uh, for him to come up and, and get a taste of the majors. I, I'm shocked by this, actually. Completely agree. Yeah. Completely agree, 100%. So, I don't know. I guess they're going to uh, hold Casas down at AAA until he starts hitting a you know home run every uh, couple at-bats. So, I don't know. They're they're looking for that home run to fly ball rate to pop. So I don't know. It's uh, it's just crazy to me because you, you look at the size of the dude and it's like you we really worried about this kid getting to his power. Like, come on. I'll take some doubles off the wall. Yeah, I that's like of all of all the facets of his facets of his game, I'm the least worried about that one suddenly just disappearing. Yeah. And it, it feels like something you can also work on uh, at the major league level. So I don't know, a little bit disappointing. Um, you know, part of the reason why I wanted it was uh, for baseball purposes. But another reason why is just interest. You know, when your team has, you know, far less than a uh, 10% odds to make the playoffs, you're looking for, for things to root for. And uh, being able to see Casas would have been a whole lot of fun. Sure would. Well, in good news, though, we've got a couple guys who are headed back from injury. Trevor Story is starting a rehab assignment today. Um, Brian Bayo is also close to being activated. He's got a rehab start on Friday at AAA Worcester. Um, both of those guys, you know, could be potential options to come up to Fenway maybe as soon as next week. Um, you know, we know Trevor Story is going to be playing second base right away. Uh what do you think they ought to do with uh, Christian Arroyo uh, when he comes up? And, and where would you put Bayo when he's activated? Would you put him back in the rotation at the majors, at AAA, or throw him in the bullpen? Um, well, Bayo apparently could be an option to start tomorrow. Um, it was uh, somebody, it was either Spear or Cotillo who was perusing Twitter earlier today. Because uh, the Red Sox have yet to name a starter for tomorrow, um, which I think was supposed to be Evaldi. Um, or no, that was tonight. Somebody. Yeah, tonight was supposed to be Evaldi, and uh, that's what Winkowski replaced. So, Yeah, but they still haven't named someone for tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and so there was mentioned that um, Bayo being close to a return, it could instead of they could be foregoing a, um, a rehab and just have him start tomorrow, uh, which seems a tad aggressive. But at the same time, I feel like that's probably, I mean, maybe not straight off of uh, the IL and right back into the rotation, but I feel like the rotation it makes sense for him, especially with all the um, the injuries that they've had here. I don't mind seeing him get starts again. And I feel like with them... Um, I know you have a, a note here. Am I waving the white flag? Maybe tip in my hands. Yeah, I am. Um, low, low, per, lower pressure games here down the stretch. Um, give him a run, and uh, and just let him get rack up innings against major league pitcher or major league hitting. Yeah, I mean, it feels aggressive to me. I don't love the idea of activating him. And having his first start off the IL be right at the major league level, um, yeah, you know, it is aggressive for, for a young guy like Bayo, who we've seen <laughs> struggle with his stuff, and 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 I don't mean like his stuff hasn't been good. He's just struggled to harness it. You know, he hasn't always located his sinker very well when he's come up here. His changeups gotten away from him. Um, you know, at times he doesn't command that pitch all that well at the major league level. So you know, there's been a lot of things for. For Bayo to work on, I would have, you know, if 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 when you guys are listening to this podcast, it is very well that you know Bayo is going to be the starter. If that comes to fruition, I don't like it um, because that's the type of thing that I feel like you do when you are a team who's really you know desperate to get every uh, win down the stretch because you're like legitimately in a race. And uh, yeah, I was going to ask you about waving the white flag and you've already kind of tipped your cap there that you're waving the white flag on the season. I'm absolutely waving the white flag on the season. Um, I don't think there's any way that this team sniffs the playoffs. There's just too many teams ahead of them. 
too many problems with this roster, too many injuries that keep popping up. Um, and, you know, I really, you know, especially like it, it sort of sends two different messages to me. It's like, okay, so you want to continue to run Franchi out at first base when Hosmer gets injured instead of bringing up Casas, but you're going to put Bayo, who is your best starting pitching prospect, directly back into the rotation at the major league level when he's healthy. It's like, what are we doing? It's it's like sending mixed messages to me about what this team yeah. is really trying to do. And still not calling up Juan. Yeah, it's it's so weird. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think they ought to be really doing a lot of things that are uh, forward-thinking for – 2023 so like for instance off the top of my head i'd like to see them throw garrett whitlock and john schreiber a whole hell of a lot less um i don't think you ought to be wasting bullets from john schreiber or garrett whitlock who have already had pretty substantial workloads this year i don't think winkowski should be getting any more starts uh out of the rotation and and i think that you know wong should be up instead of kevin pulecki um, especially because we've seen a trend over the last few days of um, Reese McGuire getting a good amount of starts at catcher. I mean, he got four in a row last week. Um, and I know that, you know, tonight it was, uh, I think it's Pulecki, but, um, you know, I'd like to see some more of those guys who are auditioning for spots uh, be up here and, and getting some time. Yeah, I completely agree, which also ties into where's Tristan Cassis? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and it, we, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention, and this is something that I wrote about uh, in my article that I just mentioned, but, you know, Frank German um, needs to be up here. Zach Kelly needs to be up here. Yeah. Edward Bizzardo needs to be up here. You need to throw those guys instead of guys like Schreiber and Whitlock and you know, guys whose arms you're actually thinking about for next year. Um, and also, I realized today while I was writing that piece, uh, Edward Bizzardo and uh, Zach Kelly are both minor league free agents next year. So, like, they're 27 years old. You really need to see what those two righties can do at the professional level, at the major league level, uh, as you're making decisions about what your 2023 pen is going to look like. Yeah, you sure do. And yeah, I mean, you you pointed it out that if you still believe that you have a chance to climb up here in the standings, it's weird that you're not doing that with your best 26-man roster. And Wong would certainly be a part of that. Um, and with the injuries that they've had, Tristan Casas would certainly be a part of that. And the bullpen arms that you just mentioned would certainly be a part of that. So it's weird that they're not there, but they are making the moves that they've made bringing up Franchi here, and and their actions on the field would suggest that they still feel that they can do that, but they're not doing it with their best players. So I, I don't. It's confusing. I don't get it. Yep, it is weird. I guess we're gonna continue to watch Jerry's Familia and Austin Davis and Ryan Brazier and. The whole lot of those guys uh, continue to get innings out of this bullpen. Um, doesn't feel like those guys are a particularly high hurdle to clear. Um, no. But, you know, here we are. Here we are. We're still having the same discussion we've had for, I don't know, how many months have we been having this discussion? Too many. Too Far many too months. Many. Yeah. I think we're all ready for a different, different talking point at this time. Um, so, you know, looking forward to the rest of the year, if we are to assume that the Red Sox are out of it, which both of us are sort of assuming here, um, you know, I, I wrote down some things that I'm looking forward to around baseball. And let's just alternate here. Uh, I'll go with one of my first ones that I'm looking for. Uh, I'm looking for a Yankees collapse. Uh, and what that means to me is the Yankees losing the division title. Um, they've been way, way far ahead uh, in the division all season long. They've only got an eight-game lead right now, uh, and I'm really, really rooting for the Toronto Blue Jays uh, to catch them. And I'm also rooting for them to uh, 
lose in the playoffs immediately in the first round and then lose Aaron Judge in free agency. So Yankee pain is sort of like uh, an opiate to cure my pain. Um, it just makes <laughs> me feel really good and warm. Yep. That's um, a lot of these that you have written down are also things that I'm rooting for down the stretch. And, and that was absolutely one of mine too. Just a nice big old collapse and misery <laughs> for the Yankees. Um, so let me ask you uh, what the Yankee thing well, I want the Yankees to lose the division and well, I want them to lose in the playoffs and then lose Aaron Judge. I do still want Aaron Judge to hit more than 61 home runs. Are you rooting for Judge to eclipse that mark? Yeah. I kind of like Aaron Judge. I don't know why. I, I can't hate the guy. I just, he's a good player. I wouldn't mind seeing him in uh, in Fenway next year as a Red Sox. Is there any reason you don't want him to hit 74? Um, I do. I just think that there's not enough time. Like, the Bonds mark is just kind of insane. Because what's he on on pace for right now? Oh, I have no idea. Yeah, I I don't know. It feels like he's slowed down from right out of the All-Star break. He was, you know, past Bonds' pace or right on Bonds' pace. But I feel like... Uh, he's slowed down a little bit. He hit All right. another one tonight. He's at 48. Okay. Okay. So it's <laughs> getting close. Um, all right. What's what's a thing that you're looking forward to for this season, the rest of the season? I would really like to see Pujols get to 700. What's he at now? He's at 693. I was actually lucky enough to see 693 happen in person last night. That was That's fun. pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, Pujols, for anybody who has followed baseball the last oh, 20 years, it's like it's been the best player the last 20 years. Uh, so it's um, – I, I don't know if I ever thought I'd see somebody get the 700 after Bonds. Um, he was definitely the one that everybody thought would have the best chance and just the career he's had being the machine. Um, this is a guy that, I mean, I guess, unless you're a Cubs fan, um, I don't think there's really a reason to hate him either. So it's just, he's a likable guy. I've never hated him. Um, obviously being like the AL, I don't think I've never really had a reason to hate him. Every time we played him, we beat him. Um, which was we whooped the Cardinals' ass every time. Yeah. So, <laughs> and he was on all those teams. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah so ahead. it was just fun to. It'd be fun. Like it's just. It's also just generally fun to see players get to those major milestones, and I feel like he's a really fun guy to get there. So I was also I was actually talking to my friend last night, and and. I don't, it's it, seven seems like it might be a stretch for him. I don't know if there's enough time for him to get there, but like if he gets to six ninety nine, do, does he stop? Does he really actually retire after that and just stop at six ninety nine? If I was him, I would come back. That would haunt me. Like I would be so pissed. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I'm also rooting for that. That was also on my list. Um, and I had a, a good stat that I wanted to share with you. Uh, this was, I guess it was tweeted out 23 hours ago by MLB Random Stats. And he says, uh, Jeremy Frank says, Albert Pujols is slugging. Jeez, uh, I don't even know how to say this. Uh, 1,300 over his last uh, 10 games. That's his highest slugging percentage in a 10-game span in his entire career. So we're talking about one of the wow. most storied power hitters of all time being on his best ever 10-game heater right now. So I'm going to uh, make a bold prediction, Keaton. The dude is going to get his seven bombs before this season is out. He certainly seems determined to. I think he, I think he saw how much he needed to, to get there and was like, oh, shit, I'm running out of time. Better pick it up. And he's got, I think, six dingers in his last seven games. So he, yeah. or something absurd like that. So, uh, 
yeah, I think he's I think he's determined to make sure that he like doesn't end at six ninety nine and like have to come back for a week. Um, one of my favorite Albert Pujols uh, things is the SI the Sports Center commercial that he did where the copy oh, machine yeah. talks to him and he's like, "Why didn't you eliminate him, Albert?" <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, he's just such a likable guy. I don't know how anybody could hate uh, Albert Pujols. Uh, he's the best. Um, he was also like my first superstar who I ever owned in fantasy baseball. You know how you you get your share of a guy who's really good. I started playing uh, fantasy baseball like right towards the the very end of him being you know probably the one one pick in in most yeah. drafts right before Trout came up and all those guys. And uh, I got to enjoy like two seasons of uh, vintage Pujols before the decline set in. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm going to let you take the next one because I feel like that might be cathartic to you. So I'm going to skip over that point and move to the next thing that I'm rooting for. I'm rooting for the Dodgers to win 115 games. Uh, we all know the type of uh, pace that the Dodgers are on right now. It's insane. I think they entering today, they had 84 wins already. And they need to go 31-10 and 10 over their last 41 games to do it. I kind of don't think 31-10 and 10 is that much of a stretch for this club. No, I don't think it is. And especially if they have a bunch of games against Arizona and Colorado, who are not very good. Uh, those should be cakewalks. Yeah, it's like if there's such a thing as a low-key, relaxed 115 games, I feel like the Dodgers are going to do it. That certainly could. It's crazy. Holy crap, the run differential is nuts. It's insane. It's like if you took like three of the other top run differentials in baseball and added them up, it would be the Dodgers' run differential. Yeah, this holy smokes! <laughs> yeah, My God, I think well, we we may like if the Dodgers go ahead and do win, you know, more than 115 games or or you know something something in that realm, and then go on to win the World Series this year. I think we ought to talk about this team as as greatest teams ever in a single season. So it's got that kind of potential. Yeah, I think you're right. That is that is not an exaggeration. Yeah. Pretty cool to see. Uh, I'm still rooting for them not to win the World Series because I have another team that I'd like to win the World Series, but we'll get to that in a moment. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, what's your next thing that you are rooting for for this year? Um, not, I feel like not as hard as, I don't know if I'm necessarily rooting for it. I'm just shocked that Tony La Russa hasn't been fired yet. <laughs> I was, uh, I, I saved that one for you because yeah. as a, a Chicago resident and uh you know, a fan of the Southsiders there. Um, you know, I know you're a Red Sox fan first, but I know you, you really love the club over there and the personalities. So yeah. it just sucks that it's that guy has, team. yeah, they, he's just, he's just ruined everything. Yeah. I, it's stunning how, especially with all of the expectations that that team had coming into this year, 
Like it was Toronto and it was the White Sox. And that was the AL. And then there was a pretty sizable gap between the next bunch of teams that you talked about. Yeah. And I just don't know how you can mess it up that badly. And and to the point, like, not only that it's being messed up that badly, but, like, how embarrassingly he's doing it. I don't know what kind of galaxy brain you have to have to, like, multiple times in a season intentionally walk a guy with two strikes when you're ahead of him in the count. I just don't understand that. And he hasn't actually like answered why he does that, but he does it multiple occasions. Maybe he was drunk. That I mean, <laughs> that is a plausible reason and more of a reason why he should be fired. Yeah, it, it's just never made any sense to me. It's like uh, you know, at the peak of like Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre and, you know, Death Row Records like putting like some country music manager or something in charge of 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 having the uh the group tour it's like you know you're taking this super fun group of guys and then like okay here's an old stodgy white guy who hates the game right now um and yeah let's see how this goes it's just yeah. it's, it's ruining, so stupid ruining the young potential of this team like this isn't gonna you don't have this young core forever. It's going to disappear. Got to capitalize I, on it. I think um, I know that you know the Red Sox uh, bench coach Will Venable has been tied to some potential jobs. I'd love to see Larusa get fired and Will Venable take over that club next year. I think they'd win a hundred games. Easy. So honestly, anybody would be better. Yeah. Oh, I do too. Definitely. All right, uh, moving on. Uh, my next thing that I want to see is a Toronto Blue Jays versus St. Louis Cardinals uh, World Series. Reason being, um, I think it would be very cool for Albert Pujols uh, to make it to a World Series in what might be his last year. I also really like a lot of the players on the Cardinals, at Wainwright, Yachty, like those guys kind of in their last hurrah. Uh, Nolan Arenado having a hell of a season. Uh, and then all the guys on Toronto are super fun. Plus, JBJ is there. So I feel like whoever would win that matchup, uh, I'd be kind of happy for him. Yeah, I feel like Toronto and Seattle are the only teams I want to root for in the American League. And then National League, it's kind of open. I don't really know if I hate any of the options there. Um, San Diego will be fun. Everybody else is just really good and kind of expected. So, I mean, even San Diego is kind of expected though, right? I mean, they have Juan Soto and, uh, you know, Joe Musgrove and... um, yeah, they have a lot of really good players. Who's, Machado. Who's Machado, yeah. Like, I mean, they have a Cy Young candidate, a couple MVP candidates. Um, Loaded. It, it would kind of be uh, an extra twist of the knife to Tatis for being stupid, too, if they won the <laughs> yeah. World Series. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Like, would he get a ring? Maybe he would, but, like. I mean, I'm sure he would just pawn it at that point. Like, you don't even want that ring. Send that ring to the moon if you're Tatis. Yeah. So, I don't know. What's 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 the matchup you're most optimally hoping for? I think Toronto and either the Dodgers or the Mets. Okay. Mets would be really fun. Yeah. I would love to see a Scherzer Degrom combination uh, in the playoffs, and also like Mets fans just constantly suffer. So it'd be nice to see them get something nice. It'd also be really fun to just watch the Yankees implode and then the Mets go on to do something good. Kind of (laughs) extra twist to the knife there. I like where your head's at. Yeah. Okay, 
moving on from what we want to see outside of baseball, um, you know, I alluded to this at the beginning of the episode. There was a tremendous article in the Boston Globe about Xander Bogarts and the struggles that he's had this year. And Alex Spear is the one who interviewed him for this. Um, and I'm just going to get to a bunch of chunks of it and we'll kind of dissect the article. But there was just so much here that I, I had to include so much of it. Um, first of all, Alex Spear asked him how would he describe this year. And Bogart shook his head and he emitted a lengthy and exasperated sigh and he laughed. And he said, oh man, it's been dot dot dot. Wow. So first of all, like the thing that stood out to me about that was, you know, the, the next line just talks about Bogarts' numbers. He's leading the American League shortstops in batting average, OPS, leads in on-base percentage. Um, you know, he's he's first in AL shortstop war. Um, aside from that, like, he's just, he's hating this year. Uh, and, and he gets to it again. He says, um, and it's been unbelievable. I feel like I haven't had an A swing this whole year. It's frustrating when you know what you want to feel, but for whatever reason, uh, you can't. At night, you just put your head on the pillow. I feel like I did everything I possibly could working on stuff. I don't know. I just don't know what's going on. So when you hear those first few comments from Xander, like, what do you think? Frustration. Sounds like he's just as frustrated as the rest of us. Yeah. Um, especially with the I don't know what's going on piece, the direction of the club, which um, you know he wasn't the only one to bring that up, not knowing the direction of the club, which um, I think adds to the frustration. Um, guys going out there trying as hard as they can and not knowing what it's for. Um, it can be really frustrating. It can also be pretty draining on you if you – you're going in there night in, night out, and you don't know what you're playing for. Um, yeah. That's pretty frustrating. So I think it's – that's how it reads to me. Um, and maybe maybe that's just projecting my own feelings onto him, but uh wonder if you felt the same. Yeah, I, I think there is some frustration with the situation that the team is in, but I think it, it's almost even more frustration with the fact that he – is feeling a little powerless to be the best version of himself in order to help right the ship uh, with this team. You know, we all know he's been struggling mightily in August. Um, and I think this next uh, line here from the article is pretty telling. It says the last time Bogarts found him himself in anything like this sort of year long predicament was 2017 when a succession of hand and wrist injuries forced him to spend most of the year swinging with one hand and unable to drive the ball. Though he hasn't had a severe health issue this year, Bogarts did allow that his swing has not been right since he collided with Alex Verdugo in shallow left field uh, while chasing a ball on May 20th. And so this is really telling to me, Keaton, because that 2017 season Remember, he was playing with the messed up hand. We all knew he was playing with the messed up hand, and the power just went off the rails. It was just completely gone for the rest of that year. And then when he got healthy, he had an amazing 2018 season. We had been talking about last time on the podcast, and you know, maybe for a couple episodes now, I can't remember when we first mentioned it, but just the uh, thought that he might be playing injured because he's such a notorious guy for going out there and playing no matter what he's dealing with uh, and, and giving it his all. Um, so it's kind of comforting to me to know that he actually has been dealing with these physical things and these things from, from, from May 20th, because we've seen the struggles. Yeah. That's also weird though. It's, that was a long time ago. And so that, I'm, that says a couple things to me. Like why hasn't the, again, why hasn't anybody like stepped in to help him? Uh, and not like help him like work on his swing because I'm assuming like Jenny Martinez has, has been trying to help him on that. But I mean like if it's something physical, why haven't they just shut him down for a week and just give him rest to get right? Why like that seems 
it seems more consequential to keep running him out there over you know a many months long period where he just continues to not feel right and struggle and let that build um you know that takes a pretty severe mental toll on a guy which as when like the very first line that you just read of this article sounds like it's taking a pretty severe mental toll on him yeah um when you could just take a week out of the beginning of the season let him relax recover uh that seems way more beneficial to the like the longevity of his season and production over the course of the season than trying to continue to force him to run out there every day. Why yeah, does this keep happening with this team and their players? They never actually seem to be proactive in trying to uh just let them cover. Yeah, I think this is a situation where Alex Cora and Xander Bogarts need to be able to figure out when is the right time to for Alex Cora to just put his foot down and tell Xander no. Um, right. I'm sure Xander's like, no, 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 I can keep going. I can keep going. Exactly. Someone needs to save him from himself and be like, no, we're going to give you a week off, man. Just rest. Yeah. It, it sounds like he's deeply unhappy when he's out of the lineup and he often talks his way into the lineup even on scheduled day off days off by Cora and we've we've seen that multiple times uh this year but yeah I, I I agree with you Keaton I think that um it's incumbent on Alex Cora in the Red Sox to you know sort of forcibly manage that um and and it's clear I mean I'll get to the other uh, parts of the uh, article here that talk about the injuries that he's been dealing with. It says to that point, referencing before the collision, uh, he was slashing 326, 388, 465 with four homers in 38 games. In the 78 games since uh, the injury, he's been hitting 286 with 361 OBP and a 429 slugging mark. So, you know, substantial drop in slugging. He says, I've dealt with a lot since that incident. I had to do what I had to do. I had to get a shot on both of them who received a cortisone shot in his left shoulder and wrist to uh, address the swelling and pain. I felt pretty okay. They messed up part uh, with the messed up part with that is that you start changing your mechanics uh, where you want to swing, where you don't feel any pain or you don't feel much pain. And then your swing starts changing. Then when you feel good, you get back. There are so many bad habits that have been incorporated. That's the frustrating thing. You feel so good in BP and in the cage, and as soon as the game starts, the first pitch, it's like, shit, what are you doing? Or fuck, what are you doing? I don't know what he said there. Um, Your mind wants to do something, but your body is doing something different. That's also frustrating. It's just so many bad habits. So, yeah, to, to your point, Keaton, I mean, he's trying to swing in a way that doesn't further injure himself for so long and then when he's finally quote unquote healthy the dude's swing is all screwed up if he needed two quarters on shots in his elbow and his shoulder jesus christ uh wrist and shoulder wrist and shoulder which is even worse wrist is way worse for a hitter but my god what are we doing like, it's way better for the team to just give him the time to rest and come back healthy than keep pushing him to be out there. And, I mean, he says it right there. Like, he's dealt with a lot. He did what he had to do. I'm sure that he did. I'm sure he wanted to be out there. Somebody needs to be the adult in the room and be like, hey, you know what's better for you is if you just take a 10-day stint get healthy, and come back. There's six months to this season, 10 days. It's not going to hurt you, man. But what will hurt you is if we try and play five of those months with you with different swing mechanics. Yeah, and and people have been dragging him through the mud for his performance too. I mean, every time you log on to Twitter, it's more negativity. Uh, about Xander Bogarts and what he is, is or is not doing at the plate. And, you know, everybody's talking about a decline and, 
you know, I look at his numbers and I'm still seeing contact. I'm still seeing good strikeout and walk rates. The only thing I'm not seeing is the is the power. And that's why I started thinking, you know, for the last few weeks, like this has to be injury related uh, for Xander Bogarts. Because, you know, as we mentioned, we've seen this before in 2017. Um, so, I mean, I would just tell people, don't fall for it. Xander's going to come back. Uh, next year, whether it's with your team or not, and and have that thirty home run power again. There's nothing wrong with the player here. He's just he's hurt. You know, sometimes you just just hurt. Not much you can do. That's really frustrating. Super frustrating. Uh, all right, I'm going to get to the other interesting points of the article before we wrap it up. It says he is all but certain to opt out after this season. The Sox tepid offer in spring training left him with the understanding that the 2022 season could be his last with the team that signed him out of Aruba in 20 or, or in 2009. Uh, beyond that, the team's decision to trade close friend and teammate uh, uh, since 2011 catcher Christian Vasquez was a gut punch. After conversations with Chief Baseball Officer Heim Bloom following the trade deadline, Bogarts understands the team's rationale but that doesn't change his feelings. I have a a good sense of kind of why they did it. He said, in the end, I'm just here. I play. I'm part of the guys in here. It might just hit me different because I've been through a lot of experiences with him, him and his family on and off the field. He drove me everywhere. I lived with him everywhere. So it's going to hit me different compared to most other guys. I'll be all right, but it should sting. And it should sting a little bit if that person has meaning to you. I think that's the human part. He goes on to say, you will not see any quit in me. I'm really looking forward to finishing strong on a positive note. I know it's in there. I've been one of the best players at my position for a couple of years. It doesn't happen by accident. It's there. I freaking love this guy, man. Like the fact that he was willing to open up and be that sort of vulnerable about all the stuff that's been happening. The fact that he still goes out there every day. He's trying to understand what they're doing. You know, but he is a player and he just so badly wants to be here. He wants to be part of this group and he wants to win with these guys. Like, I didn't think I could be a bigger Xander fan, but somehow this article <laughs> made me a bigger Xander fan. Yeah, I was say, I feel like as the season's gone on, he's talked more and more because I feel like we've never really gotten like, I mean, particularly an article like this, but we've never really seen like vocal Xander. But as the season has gone on more and more, we've gotten vocal Xander. And, uh, it's, I mean, like you said, it's just made you like him even more. I mean, we knew he was like a, a like a not like a silent leader, but um, like a leader to the team within the clubhouse. Um, but it never kind of like projected it outwards towards the fan base. And now we've really seen it. And it's just like, man, this is a great guy that you'd love to have on your team for a really long time. Yep. Be a shame if that too isn't on the right field porch someday. So, oh well, it was a loaded article. I I, I uh, would suggest anybody who wants to give that you know a read, um, go check that out over on the Boston Globe. Definitely a great piece. Um, another piece that was just recently on the Globe uh, was about Tommy Pham uh, and finding out that he'd been traded to the Red Sox. And there were a couple of really interesting quotes about this, and we've talked about it on the show. And we talked about it preseason. He was one of the guys we mentioned as a preseason target. Uh, Tommy Pham's quotes. He says, I was like, damn it, Heim. We could have done this about four months ago, said Pham, referring to Red Sox chief baseball officer Heim Bloom, uh, whom he knew well from spending a year and a half together in Tampa Bay in 2018 and 19. But I'm glad I'm here. He says, we were close. We were close, said Pham. Heim just couldn't pull the trigger, man. I wanted to come here. Isn't that just classic from High Bloom? Like we're sitting there at the end of March, Tommy Pham wants to come, and he just doesn't get the deal done, and then he goes out and, uh, and trades for him later. I mean, I remember when this happened. I tweeted out that this is Heim admitting that he screwed up in not bringing in a guy, probably Tommy Pham, at the beginning of the year. We've all seen the impact that Pham has had here. He's been a perfect fit in the clubhouse. I was even skeptical about that, but he's been awesome. Like, this just pisses me off. <laughs> yeah, just adds to the frustration that is the 2022 season, right? Yeah. So great. Just pile it on. Why not? Yeah, great. Thanks. 
thanks for uh you know two months of of fam when we could have had six months of fam yep. been a whole hell of a lot better all right so some good stuff coming out even though uh frustrations are mounting in boston the players are speaking so it is it's always good to get their insights um, now we're going to move on to some listener questions before we get on out of here. Um, first one comes from a great question asker and listener, a great big lark. He says, starting pitcher questions. If the Sox could extend Waka for three years today, would you want them to do it? Should the Sox exercise the team option on Paxton, even if he doesn't pitch this season? And percentage chance Eovaldi is on the Red Sox next season. So let's start with the first one, Keaton. Uh, this is uh, tailor-made for you. If the Sox could extend Waka for three years today, would you do it? Yeah, I think I would. What do you think it would cost to extend Waka for three years? Oh, man. Oh, that is a good question. Like 20 mil a season with this or less? I would think less. Yeah, I would think less as well. 15? You want to call it 15? Yeah, that seems right. Okay, so a three-year $45 million for Waka, which would bring him to, what, his age 34 season? He's 31? Yeah. Yeah, is he 30 or 31? I think he's 31, but I don't have it up in front of me right now. Let's, Let's, uh... Either okay. do I um, fact check that? Do do do. This is great radio. Yeah, I mean that's I mean that's the basically the going rate for. Uh, he is thirty one. I was right. Yeah, that's pretty much the going rate for a um, like a SP three. Yeah. So yeah, that I'm good with that. I would not. Um. And as much as I like Waka, um, and I think it's been a very good signing from Bloom, Waka's pitched really well, been best version of himself here. Um, I think three years is too many years for a guy with that type of injury track record in that inconsistency. So uh, I wouldn't feel comfortable going anything past two years. I would love one of those Heim cheapo deals with the you know one year and the team-friendly option or whatever. Um, but I think that Waka has outpitched that type of deal. So yeah. I, I think, you know, you know, uh, the, the listener here is right on the money. Um, three years is probably the minimum that Waka is going to be out there seeking at this point in his career coming off this type of a season. So I would say yeah. no. Um, should the Sox exercise the team option on Paxton, even though if he doesn't pitch this season? I say no. Yeah, I I don't think so either. And I saw, um, I think there was a few few folks tweeting about this after um, the latest setback. I it's really tough because he so he's pitched twenty two and two thirds innings since twenty nineteen, and it'll be his age thirty four season. That I just don't think you're really going to get anything. Like, do we really like want what's, two what's the roster spots like that? What's that? I was going to say, do we really want two roster spots with guys like that? We already have Chris Hale. True. Like, I do you want to? I feel much more confident in Chris Hale pitching well. It, that is tying up essentially. So the option years are for $13 million, if I remember correctly. So you're tying up $43 million into two pitchers who have pitched combined less than 60 innings or maybe 80 innings in the last three or four years. No way. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel great about it. I don't like it. Uh, chance Eovaldi is on the Red Sox next season. Percentage chance. Three. 
<laughs> That's very low. I was going to say 10, and I thought I was going low, but three <laughs> is very low. Yeah, I don't I don't think so. Yeah, I'm a no on all these. Uh, I, I want some new pitchers in here. So you're, you're a yes on Waka and a no on the other two. Yeah, those are great questions, though. Yeah, really good questions. Um, next question comes from Gavin Blackburn, and he says, uh, with the shift being stopped next year, who on the current roster do you think will most benefit slash suffer? And uh, do you think this changes the priorities for Bloom in the offseason, like outfield defense? Devers, I think, would benefit the most, which is kind of crazy because he's already really freaking good. Yeah. <laughs> but I think he's the guy that gets shifted the most. Uh, maybe Verdugo, he gets shifted. Yeah, but Verdugo's pretty good at spraying the ball all around. He's pretty good at going the other way as well. Yeah, those were the only two that really came to mind um, that I think would benefit. Um, would get hurt the most? I don't know. I mean, I think poor defenders, right? Certainly poor defenders in the outfield. So like Jaron Durant. Oh, yeah, because they're not bailed out by having more folks around them. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be bad. I think it would be harder to hide. Eh, I, actually, I think Bogey would be fine if he came back. Um, I don't think it would impact Trevor Story or, or Hosmer or Devers because they're all fine defenders. Yeah, I think I'd be most worried about like Duran, Fam, if he comes back because he's not a great defender. Um, on the hitting side, though, I think it might help J.D. Martinez if he does come back. Um, I, I doubt that J.D. Martinez would re-sign with the team or be extended the qualifying offer at this point, but you know he's somebody that can be a little pull-happy sometimes. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know how much he gets shifted, though. I you haven't looked at those numbers. The, the uh, third base shift, left field shift. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, It's an interesting question. I think we'd have to look a little bit more into it to give you a specific answer, but, you know, we we have some time to do that, so we will go ahead and look into that and see if we change our answer and we'll bring it up on the pod if we do. Uh, our next two questions come from TJ McPhee. He says, uh, Hey guys, what do we think of Alex Verdugo moving forward? Should he be penciled in as the starter next season or should the Sox be aiming higher? You okay with Verdugo starting at one of the outfield spots next year? Yeah, I am. Me too. I actually have a ton of faith in Verdugo. I know that it's been a bit of a slow burn. Uh, and we expected him to be better, but I still really like the player. Um, so, yes, I'm fine with him. And he says, also, any chance y'all think Bogarts doesn't opt out at the end of this year because of the fr- strong free agent class and he was just okay this year? That's a misconception. He hasn't been just okay this year. Uh, he's been one of the best shortstops in all of baseball, still playing hurt. So, yep. yeah, the power's down, but everything else is freaking great. Yep. There's no I mean, chance he doesn't opt out, right? Yeah. No, he's definitely opting out. And the last one is from Bruce Adams. He says, J.D. Martinez can't play anymore. He, was, uh, he wasn't traded at the deadline because they weren't offered enough. Uh, now he should spend the next six weeks on the bench before walking away. So pretty much anything would have been a good trade. And we talked about this at the time, Keaton, that it was it was sort of odd that they didn't dump J.D. Martinez for whatever they could get in order to get under that luxury tax threshold. Do you think the Red Sox are going to come to regret this uh, in the offseason? Um, yeah, I think they will. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I was kind of critical of them not getting under that. Uh, as well, um, and it, it seems like they could have got at least something useful uh, for J.D. Martinez, and he's certainly not been helpful uh, for the team in any way uh, after the, the trade deadline. So, yeah, not looking good for Bloom at this point. 
Okay. Well, that is our show, Keaton. Uh, Everybody out there, thank you very much for joining us on this episode. If you enjoyed it, please go on to iTunes, rate and review us, help us get in some more listeners' ears, Uh, tell your friends about the show, and subscribe. Uh, You'll get this show. You'll also get Keaton's other show, the uh, Precap Podcast with Keaton and Bailey Von Schneider. And uh, anything else you want to plug, Keaton, before we get on out of here? That's it. Okay, follow Keaton on Twitter at the Spoken Keats. Follow me on Twitter at DevJake and follow the Over the Monster account at Over the Monster. We'll be with you next week. Hey.